Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to the Special Education Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I'm so happy you're here. This is our 51st episode. That's right. We're coming up on a year together. I've got something super exciting planned for our one-year anniversary later this month. Be sure to tune in. We are going to have a great time together. But first, I want to make sure I take care of you during the beginning of the school year because it's always a terribly exhausting time of year. It is also a stressful time of year. I am recording this on the Sunday before my kids go back to school, and I realized at about 5 o'clock that I needed to get school supplies tonight because I need to drop them off tomorrow at Jack's Open House. And I like to do mine at Staples, the office supply store, and they were closing at six o'clock. So I (laughs) raced across the bridge to downtown Cincinnati to the Staples that I like and busted through the doors and I got it done. I literally was loading them back into my car at six o'clock on the nose. So I didn't make anybody stay late at work and I was super proud of that. Um, So everything happens this time of year in a rush, this kind of hurried, crazy, frenetic thing that happens. Um, And what I think is so funny about that is we all kind of move at this frenetic pace, but the thing that we all crave is the routine that a school year brings. And so what I try to tell myself, I've tried to, to get a routine started before the school year starts, and it just doesn't help. Um, It doesn't ever happen is what happens here. Um, And so I've kind of told myself two things. The first thing is just get to, in our case, Wednesday. Just get to the first day of school. Once you're there, then I can get the house in order. Then I can um, buy all of the things that I need for their lunches and that kind of thing. If I just make it to the first day of school, we can get our ducks in a row once the schedule gets going. Um, So that's number one. Number two is it doesn't all have to be perfect before school starts. In fact, here in Kentucky, we usually start school quite a bit before Labor Day. Um, And so what I kind of do is I unofficially um, really start the school year after Labor Day. (laughs) That's when we really start to like get going on um, a dinner routine and a morning routine and making sure that we've got all of those like nice after school snacks and that kind of thing. So we kind of keep a summer pace while they're going back to school until then. And it does make me feel a little bit um, more relaxed just knowing that it doesn't all have to be um, ready, set, go. Let's start the school year on this specific um, date, kind of in our minds and in our mentality as we approach um, afternoons and mornings. So maybe those two tips will help you. I have seven tips that I would like to share with you 
um, that will help you get prepared for the school year. And I want to do them fairly quickly because I know your time is precious right now. So the first thing is an all about me book. I have a freebie on my website that features all about me books and things to put in them. So you might download that. Also coming this Friday, I have a back to school communication packet and it has a, a, another description about all about me books as well as a template for an all about me book. You can use it to simply download um, or to simply input your child's information. Um, so I recommend an all about me book because it is one comprehensive place where you can kind of put all of the nuts and bolts, basic information about your child. So we're talking medical information. We're talking information about your child's team, progress and outside therapies, um, things that your child is interested in activities, your child does all of those things help your child's teachers to make learning more accessible, more fun, um, and really more targeted toward your child. It also sets a wonderful tone for communication. When you start out the year and say, hey, I just wanted to introduce my child to you. We are so excited for you to have my child. Um, and I thought it might be helpful for you to know a little bit more about us. And so here we go. That really sends a message that you value your role as a parent um, or a guardian or whatever your role is on the IEP team and that you're going to take it seriously. And you know that your role, if you are a parent or guardian, is to promote learning across the, the, the continuum um, and promote learning at home and in the community. And so you can communicate those things. So I really love the All About Me book. Um, again, you know, kind of going with what I said at the beginning of this episode, don't feel pressure to get it done by the first day of school. I have definitely sent mine in before the first day of school, or I'm sorry, after the first day of school. Um, but, you know, it would be great if you could get it in by maybe the second week of school, something like that. So that's number one, all about me books. Number two, a back to school email. You know, if you walk around with your laptop open or with an index card in your hand and you just kind of jot down the things that you would tell a babysitter as you experience life with your child, you will probably fill that index card before lunch. You might type out um, four or five different notes on your computer before lunch. Things like how your child is doing with toileting or what the pediatrician said at your last appointment or um, maybe a change to medication or a new behavior strategy that seems to be working or a new behavior and how you're addressing them. If teachers get that information right at the beginning of the year, they can hit the ground running. They can really, really understand your child. And that's kind of the key to a great transition is understanding the child. I tell my divorce clients all the time that when life um, happens and, you know, um, things get chaotic between the adults, what kids really need is kids really need to be safe and to also feel loved. So they objectively need to be safe and they need to feel the love. And so, you know, I kind of guide my divorce clients in 
helping their children to not only be safe, but to actually feel loved. And what does it mean for your child to feel loved? And, you know, sometimes we get into something that feels a little bit like um, the love languages, that sort of thing. And so the same thing applies at school. When children understand that their teachers understand them and know their interests and know their profiles and are interested in what they're interested in, the children feel safe. And when they feel safe, they're prepared to learn. So when we're in kind of a back to school transition, a lot of children might feel um, unsafe. They might feel dysregulated. They might um, you know, experience all different kinds of feelings that will inhibit their learning. And so the more that teachers can understand about children, the more prepared the children are going to be to learn. Um, so I particularly like to include progress updates, medical information, um, and maybe a little bit about what the child did over the summer. So activities, new interests, that sort of thing. I think that's super duper helpful. In my case, I almost always include some social notes too. Um, so maybe children that my child played with over the summer or, um, you know, things like this year, um, Jack has really done well playing with younger kids at the pool. And um, so I included that in my back to school email because I can see a million different ways where teachers could utilize that new interest or new interest of Jack's, um, you know, because he, he seems to really like to take care of little kids. So maybe he can start to read to little kids um, if there are younger students in the resource room when he gets pulled out for special education or something like that. So um, there's all different kinds of ways that teachers can utilize this information. I think it's super helpful to communicate. So that's one, that's two. Number three is super easy. I usually do some kind of treat for the teachers when I drop off the school supplies. So I drop off the school supplies. Now my little boy's in elementary school, so typically teachers are still involved in distributing the school supplies and collecting the things that they're gonna take and that sort of thing. And I usually put in, um, maybe I've baked some cookies, make sure that you're allowed to do that. Um, or I put in some kind of trail mix, um, so long as it is in a nut-free classroom. I might put in, um, you know, a new package of markers or something like that. I try to avoid school supplies, candles, and mugs because I know that teachers get a lot of those things. Um, and I want to give them something that's for them. And then I just do a little um, expression of gratitude, you know, thanks so much, it's going to be a great year, that sort of thing. Um, and I think that that kind of thing goes a long way. Now I've talked about treats for teachers before and what I always say is only do this if it feels natural to you. I have had clients that have said to me, I'm not going to do that because it feels kind of like blackmail. Like um, I'm giving you this treat and I expect for you to be nice to me at our next IEP meeting. It doesn't feel like that to me at all. I am a um, Southern person at heart. And I, um, really feel gratitude naturally. And so when I feel grateful, I just want to give somebody a little treat. So that's what I do. I also ask teachers, by the way, um, 
towards the beginning of the school often school year often i want to know what is your order at starbucks what's your favorite fountain drink that i could run through mcdonald's and get for you and what's your favorite candy because oftentimes i will do treats throughout the year and i know that i can probably hit those three things without a whole lot of effort um and sometimes even though i intend to do a lot for other people um it's got to be easier it doesn't get done so that is number three, treats for the teachers. And don't forget anybody else that's a particular helper. You know, if your child has a great relationship with the custodian, um, boy, would they ever love a Snickers bar or a payday or something to say, welcome back to the school year. Doesn't have to be anything big. Number four, get your IEP goals out and write them someplace um, in your house. So put them someplace prominent in your house. You're going to grab your IEP and you're going to write down the goals. Now, I don't write them down word for word because I don't need them word for word. I need to know um, that we're working on simple addition facts under 20 or that we're working on the second grade site word list. So I'm just going to write second grade site word list. That's all I'm going to write. But then once I have those out, number five happens and I'm going to set out things to work on each goal. So I have this little cart. I used to keep it in a drawer, which was more aesthetically pleasing. Um, but I think I'm going to keep my cart from COVID because I actually really like it. I can just wheel it into the dining room when we're finished with it and then wheel it back out to the kitchen when we need it. Um, so I have Jack's goals on my refrigerator and um, I will one day this week grab the things that I need to work on his goals because when I stick something in the oven and it needs 15 minutes to bake, I have 15 minutes where I can work with him. And if I don't have the goals out and I don't have stuff out to work on the goals, it'll take me 15 minutes to figure out what I want to do with him. But if I have flashcards and a couple of worksheets and markers and pencils and manipulatives and a ruler and money, if I have it all out in one specific spot in my house, again, where I can keep it out of the way, I can grab a couple of things and say, hey, buddy, we're going to work on this while we wait for dinner to bake. And it is already done. I don't have to think. I don't have to um, organize anything. I don't have to get anything ready. It's just there for me. So four and five go together. Four is write the goals and put them someplace so that you remember what they are. Five is set out things to work on them. And six then you want to set up a way that you can keep track of how your child is doing when you're working with them. So you might keep a log or a journal or notes. I keep mine in a spreadsheet and I keep something that I think looks like real data, something um, that, you know, I might want to compare with the school's data. I keep it that way. It doesn't have to be kept that way, but I would definitely set up some system um, where you can take notes or monitor the progress that your child is making as you work on goals with your child. Now, one thing I do want to mention it when we get this far, because we've gotten four through six have all kind of been about working with your child on IEP goals. Of course, you can also work with your child on other goals. You might decide that you want to work on goals that are a little bit tougher. Um, 
In our case, Jack reads very, very well for me. Um, and there's a secret sauce that <laughs> we, we could not accomplish at school. He sits on my lap and he plays with my hair. Well, I certainly don't want him sitting on his teacher's lap or sitting on a peer's lap and playing with their hair. But when he is completely calm by sitting on my lap and playing with my hair and feeling my mama vibe, he reads particularly well and he has a lot of endurance for reading. And so we actually work on harder books and longer books at home than he usually works on at school. And that's okay with me that it's obviously something that I would like to start to happen at school, but Jack has to be ready for that. So we've got to figure out how we can get him to experience the progress that he has at home, at school, and how we can get him, in this case, probably, I think the secret is getting him regulated enough at school that he's comfortable enough that he can read um, things that are a little bit more challenging for a little bit more time. So when you're working on those IEP goals at home, you might want to up the ante. You might want to work on something entirely different. Um, but if it's going to be pertinent to future IEP team discussions, then you want to set up some way to monitor progress, which I have as number six. So we've gotten ourselves through one through six. Let's review. Number one, all about me books. Number two, back to school email. Number three, treats for the teachers. Number four, getting those IEP goals out and putting them someplace prominent in your house. Number five, setting out things to work on each of those IEP goals. And number six, setting up progress monitoring systems. Number seven is something that doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with your child. Before school starts, particularly if your child's on an IEP, it's important to get your child prepared. And so I've got a couple of ideas about preparing your child. The first is to help your child with schedules. Now, you might need to write them down. You might need to talk about them. You might need to do picture schedules. Um, you might need to start acting out the schedules. Think about how your child learns and how your child receives scheduled information and present it in a way that is meaningful to your child. Whenever we're doing something new, what we want to know is, what's this going to look like? Another divorce reference, when people come in my office for a divorce, I oftentimes have to start the discussion with the system. How does this happen? Do I have to go to court? Who files first? Does it matter who files first? Everybody wants to know the process of divorce. What happens from point A to point B? And that's because it's a big transition. And if we don't know what's going to happen, we can't control as much. And so when we feel out of control, we don't function well. So children are going to school. Their days are going to change. Their school days are different than their summer days. Thank goodness. And so what we need to give to them is an approximation of what the schedule is going to look like. 
And so it might start in the morning, you know, what time do I have to wake up? And am I going to eat breakfast at home or am I going to eat breakfast at school? How am I going to get to school? Am I going to take the bus or am I going to ride with you? And where do I go when I get to school? Who might be there to help me get situated? High schoolers and middle schoolers oftentimes really benefit, especially if they have an executive functioning disorder, from just walking through their day. So how much time do I have to get between classes? How far is the distance? What stairwell should I use? All of those things. So I remember my first week before college started, I think we must have gone up a little bit early for some kind of orientation. And I walked my route from class to class several times so that I was sure that I was going to go to the right building from one class to the next and that I didn't need my map because, oh my gosh, I thought that would have been embarrassing. I probably still needed it. Even though I can't read a map, I probably still got it out. Um, okay, so write down schedules. Another way that you can prepare your child is by working on your morning routine and your after school routine and your expectations. My mom is a retired school teacher and she always says, articulate the desired outcome. Tell your child before you go someplace how you expect for them to behave or what you expect for them to do. Jack's birthday, as I think most of you know, is on the 4th of July. And we live in this cute little idyllic town. And so everybody comes up to this adorable parade and everybody wishes Jack a happy birthday. And so he and, and Jack does not, um, he loves the attention, but he does not handle it well. <laughs> I was going to say he doesn't like the attention. He loves it, but he gets really grouchy. So he either won't talk to people or he'll pull like the stroller, um, cover the shade over top of him so that you can't see his eyeballs or he will turn around backwards. Um, and so we tell him, Jack, we expect that you will say hello. In fact, one year I made him a little sign and I said, you must say thank you. People say happy birthday. You must say thank you and how old you are to at least 20 people. And I made a little countdown. And then once he reached 20, the 21st person, I said, Jack has said thank you to 21 people. And so I will say thank you for Jack. Um, and that actually worked well. I should probably do that again. Um, and so, but what I've done in making that system is I have told him what I expect. I have given him my expectations. And so your expectations for morning and after school routines will differ from, you know, from family to family and from school to school. But you might be talking about, you know, I expect that you have your teeth brushed and your bed made before you come downstairs. It might be we are going to do homework before we go out and play in the neighborhood. Um, it might be I expect that you read every day. We're working with Griffin, who is starting high school, on some incentives um, for grades because his middle school experience was not um, as academic as his elementary school, traditionally academic as his um, elementary school experience was, and as I ex expect his high school experience to be. And so um, we want to make sure that he starts off on a good foot on day one. And so we're articulating our expectations. 
It also helps to get things organized. Now, I know I started this off by saying that we don't really get organized until Labor Day, um, and that is entirely true. But neither of my kids really needs um, a whole lot of that in order to um, really start off these couple of weeks. But if you've got a child that isn't going to sleep as well and isn't going to kind of really feel the start of the school year, then clean their room the weekend before school starts um, and get them involved in that. Get your breakfast area set up so that things um, flow more smoothly. Make sure the school supplies are organized. Have them um, go through their backpack and make sure that they've got all of the things that they need um, and that they've thrown away all the stuff that they don't need from last year. Get everything organized so that they feel like they are ready. I saw um, one mother on Instagram this week that put five bins under their child's bed and in each bin they put the outfit including even shoes and hair accessories and everything and I thought boy that is extreme organization but imagine how calm you would feel on Friday morning if your outfit was already picked out and it was already in this little bin and all you had to do was slide out the bin and put on your shirt and shoes I thought that was um and, and pants of course I thought that was a great um idea so get things organized that might help your child feel more prepared of course, another thing might be to physically take them to school to meet their teacher and to see their room. This is always helpful if your child's going to a new school. Um, but if they seem to be anxious, then simply call the school and ask. Teachers are almost always at school. They might even have in-services. Um, but the week before school, they're usually there for some reason or another. Um, and so that could really help. And the last idea I have for preparing your child is to really get them involved in the transition, particularly if they're older. Um, I saw a really cool All About Me activity. There is an Instagram account called Lessons and Lattes, um, and she did an um, activity with her student. She's a teacher. And what she did was she had um, somehow virtually a water bottle. It looked like a hydro flask or something like that. Um, and then somehow she had stickers that the kids could choose from. And it was all electronic. They were going to like drag and drop. But they were going to decorate their water bottle with stickers that were meaningful to them. So if it was me, I might choose a sticker um, with a surfboard and maybe some kind of swimming sticker and maybe like the scales of justice to represent the fact that I'm an attorney. Um, and maybe I would do like a stick figure family for my kids. Um, and so I would do, of course, a Volkswagen bus for Miss Penny. Um, and so... I thought, gosh, that would be so fun. And that would be fun for parents to do with their children to say, oh, here is um, kind of an all about me activity that I did at home. And then, you know, you could add on a writing activity if your child is um, interested in doing that or something like that. So, um, you know, maybe it's cutting things out of magazines or whatever, but get them involved in this communication um and these tasks. Um, so there you have it. Number seven is prepare your child. Um, and I give you five ideas. Write down the schedules for the child or present them in a way that's meaningful to the child. Work on a, for a few morning and after school routines and expectations. Organize things for them. 
take them to see their room and meet their teacher and get them involved in the transition. I hope that's helpful. I really, really, really wish you a wonderful school year. I know it's going to be great. I hope it is a little bit more fluid. Um, no, not fluid. I hope it is more consistent than it was last year. I hope you have a consistent, wonderful, healthy school year. I will see you next week. Same time, same place. Have a great week.